In the middle of the night, a curious incident occurs in a suburban cul-de-sac when a mailbox delivers the fatal blow. The nightgown-clad victim claws at the post receptacle, lowering the return flag by 45 degrees. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No, it's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, Episode 16, Class Rivalry, Battle of the Vanishing Person. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, and despite what I've said, I'm not really a fictional detective. I just play one on this podcast. The first mystery we need to solve, what is this podcast? What do we do? Well, we watch detective anime, and we bring in mystery guests to discuss them with us. Um, you can watch the episode in advance or not at all, whatever floats your boat, but you can be assured that we will spoil the mystery, so if you want to solve it yourself, you gotta go get ahead of us. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky. Mike, so this is episode 10. Mm -hmm. You continue to live here, you continue to know a lot about anime. I have not left or forgotten anime. Good. Um, what's your favorite moment of recording the podcast so far? My favorite moment of recording the podcast so far? <laughs> you didn't ask me this ahead of time, so no, I No, I didn't ask you this ahead of time. <laughs> I wanted your true, honest response, which is just that it's forgettable. Like this time we spent together. <laughs> yep, I forgot <laughs> it goes... all. I did, I did not forget anime, but I forgot everything that happened. No, uh, I don't know. I just like having fun and talking about nonsense. I like when we go off the rails and get lost in how stupid things can be. Hot Mom. Hot Mom is my favorite part. Hot Mom is your favorite part. Just cut part. everything else. That's all I said. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited uh, to continue to be able to discuss said character. Cool. So what have you got for us today, Mike? Uh, so, this will become relevant later, uh, but I was thinking about cram school. Not just a Japanese concept, but it's pretty present in Japanese society, uh, called juku. Uh, and basically, the idea is that it's like extra school that you go to after school or before school. A lot of it has like a focus on studying for entrance exams for high school, but sometimes it's just for whatever. Uh, and it's a weird thing where it's like, you haven't gone to enough school, now go to this school and yeah. overachieve so that I don't feel bad about underachieving. And so your, your theory that you're going to put towards us is that the characters in this anime actually don't attend a full-time detective high school, but just a detective cram school. Well, so let's see if the evidence supports that <laughs> assertion. Let's, let's see. But let's go ahead and introduce our mystery guests. Let me see here. So our guest this episode is a very funny person. She was a teammate of mine on two Shakespearean improv teams. And one time she solved the mystery of whether or not bangs would be a good idea for her. Hold on a second, Michael. Wait, I've heard this before. Doesn't that sound familiar to I, you? I remember. Okay, well, I think this means that we have a returning guest, <gasps> which is very exciting. We're super excited to welcome back Katie Swerko. Hello. You came back. I'm back. Um, yeah, I'm glad you found us again. Uh, let's let's not make our second guest wait because we have not one guest but two guests. What? what, what? For the second time, a double, double, double. Oh, it's a familiar uh, sounding drum roll. I've heard it before. Our guest this episode is an improviser with Philly's longest running and crowd improv comedy. He's a director of the currently virtual mall improv show Smoke Break. He's also a musician as part of the band Science Club. And one time, he solved the mystery of who was eating all of his ramen noodle packets. Another returning guest? <gasps> Always a surprise, it's Nick Elmer. Oh my gosh. Hey! Woo! 
I'm here. I want to talk about anime. <laughs> well, we can talk about this one episode of anime. That's it. Don't talk about any other Aww. anime. No, we can talk about other things, too. I've been watching Gundam Wing, though. And I've been watching Food Wars. Aww. If you can find a relevant way to pull those in that's very funny, then you can do it. Food well, Wars is always a mystery, because it's like, how is he going to make something simple, gross, and complicated? Mm-hmm. How is he going to put some cubed gelatin into rice? Oh, I, that looks so good. It just looks shiny. It doesn't look good. Okay, Nick. Well, <laughs> but just like imagine eating something so good that in your brain your clothes rip off. Yeah. That's what food, war, food Wars is. Wait, did they visualize that? Yes. Yes. Oh, dear. Oh, my. You can tell food is good if uh, every, all of a sudden people get very sexy. You can also <laughs> tell if people are going to eat something good if they're drawn very sexy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> well, that, well, that really. Oh, sorry. No, put your shirt back on. Um, it does get warm in here when we record without our air conditioning or fan on. Well, we had you respectively on our first and second episodes, and now we're on episode 10. It's been about two months since we recorded. So, apart from watching Food Wars and watching Gundam Wing, any like big developments in your lives? Uh, like what's the what's like what's the one <laughs> one thing you can pull from those two months? Um, my husband and I are deciding that we're gonna move at some point. That's so big. It's a big uh, thing, and also we're just like heading towards maybe starting a family. So it's two big things happening at once. Ooh. Wow, you you heard it here, folks. Katie, are you gonna be a neighbor? Uh, your neighbor? Yes. No, we're not moving to the, if and when we move, we're going to move towards Jersey. We're not going to move towards Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Never mind. Anyone who's listening from outside the uh, Philadelphia metro and extended area, there's definitely a trend of uh, people from the city, as you do, moving towards suburbs. And clearly there's some contention between people that cross the Delaware River into New Jersey or in that direction. People listening to the podcast, if you would like to be my neighbor, please uh, come. Uh, I'm nice. I, li- I watch anime. I watch Gundam Wing. Uh, I'll talk about it with you. If that sounds appealing, c- come be my neighbor. I need people. And the town that Nick lives in is very uh, cute. It's like you are, you're in the morning. You've, you've got your uh, dressing gown on. Mm-hmm. You're, you're holding your cup of coffee. You're walking out to the mailbox to grab the newspaper and you see your neighbor next door and you're just talking about big, punchy, giant robots. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, like, did you see that last one? He's like, yeah. Everyone everyone just kind of stood around and a guy with a sword jumped out at one point. It was, yeah. And then, then we turn and we, we don't say anything else. We break eye contact. We turn into our homes and then we never speak to each other for the rest of the day. That's suburban life. Yeah, America. I was going to say also because it's a it's a Pennsylvania suburb, at some point someone says go birds and it is met with the response of go birds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, uh Philadelphia Eagles. Nick, did you have a development to share? Uh nothing nothing as big and uh and uh family focused as uh Katie, but uh, I did debut uh Smoke Break, the new uh show you mentioned at the top there. Uh, show I've been directing. Uh, it's very good. We had our first show, and we'll be having our second show shortly, but it'll, that'll be before this is released. So we'll be having our third show shortly, I guess, after this is released. Ooh. Cool. Yeah. And it's it's virtual, so people can check this out from anywhere. Anywhere. They could watch it on the toilet. You could. Uh, don't tell me, though. That hurts. 
But yeah, you can you can follow us on YouTube or on Facebook, and that'll give you all the information you need to watch the show. It's a very good show. Excellent cast. I must I must say the cast is very good. Everyone on it is very good. I hear they're great. Yeah. All right, Michael might appear in the show if anybody is wondering what he looks like. It was it was very funny. I saw I saw an episode. Oh, an you. episode. An episode. Can I call it an episode? No. Nick? No. no, I can't call it an episode. It was a performance piece. All right. Well, real quick, for people that didn't catch your first appearances on the podcast, one word answer to these questions. <laughs> Nick. Yes. Anime? Yes or no? Do you watch it? Yes. Katie, how much anime have you seen? Uh, medium. <laughs> Nick, fan of mysteries? Hot, hot. <laughs> Katie, how important are mysteries to your life? Light. Liked? Light, light, like, 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 very small amount. <laughs> oh, light, light. Oh, light. Light. I thought you were liking it on Facebook or something light. like that. Wonderful. And uh, for both of you, in whatever order, in whatever orderly fashion, between the first time you watched an episode of Detective Academy Q and this time you're coming back and watching an episode of Detective Academy Q, outside of that, have you really seen anything else in this particular genre, detective solving murder mysteries of anime? No. no. Wonderful. Wow. They said it at the same time, but they had the same answer. So it was, <laughs> it, it was auditorily pleasing. Yes. Cool. So we're going to start talking about this thing. Mike, can you remind us, what is Detective Academy Q? Uh, so Detective Adam Academy Q uh, is the adventures of a group of high school students and one grade school student uh, as they learn to become detectives at a weird detective school that throws them into peril. That pretty much sums it up. So to catch all our listeners up, I wanted to uh, talk about the five main characters. And Katie, two of these are new to you. Nick, one of them is new to you. And last week we brought up the this concept. So we'll talk about all five main characters, and then if we could collectively decide uh, if they were Scooby Doo characters, who would be who? <laughs> uh, I think okay. that that would be very helpful. So, so who can tell me about some of these characters? Uh, there's Kinta. He's the tall one. He's, yep. Yeah, he's the genius of eyesight. <laughs> he's got so many skills, and he picks another one up in this episode. I feel like. Well, he he references having a sixth sense. Mm. He's good at karate in comparison to everyone else around him, but not as good as uh, he brags himself to be. What about Megu? What's her deal? Skirts. She wears a skirt. Yeah, the skirts move. Um, mm -hmm. They're the first thing you see whenever she walks into a room. Mm -hmm. She walks in the room pelvis first, which, you know. <laughs> this is very specific kind of energy. Yeah, it's very bad for her back, but she keeps doing it. It's a strong character choice to enter every scene pelvis first. Like, what does that tell you about a character that does that? That, these are skills you learn in improv comedy. Like. Um, she also, her primary trait is having a photographic memory. It doesn't come up in this episode, actually. For once. I mean, yeah. And then the main character of the piece is Q. His name matches the title of the show. Yes. And the, uh, the class they're in. Yeah. yeah. Does he have any recognizable traits? I think it's like he solves everything at the last minute. Yeah, there's always two hints. Uh, he likes, he likes doing things at the last minute. He, um... He's apparently a cheater. Like, he cheats in this episode. He also has, like, a random sprig of white spiky hair in his black hair. Yeah. That I don't know why it's there. That's in case they ever want to transition the show into a card battling uh, anime. Yeah, he's all set up for that. Totally. <laughs> I, f I feel like we got a little, little bit of that this episode. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and then, Nick, in the episodes you watched, we were introduced to Kazuma. We were? Who was that? <laughs> 
Cosma <laughs> is the one with the computer. Oh, the nerd boy. Yes. Oh, he's the clear Velma. Oh, we're already deciding. Ooh, yeah, we're okay. we're com- we're coming to it. All right. Yeah, he he carries around his computer. He's also super rich. We didn't see that here, but he is so rich. Well, yeah, he invented video games, right? Yeah, he's a game dev, which, as any game dev will tell you, uh, makes you rich. That's what (laughs) happens to game devs. And then the fifth character was introduced most recently, the one with the blue hair, who's uh, Ryu, not to be confused with Q. But also intentionally sounding similar. Yeah. Uh, What's his deal? Because I remember seeing him in the uh, end credit scenes, uh, little vignettes about him with a little baby girl who talked like this. And uh, I, I remember thinking that he was going to be like, like the outcast character, like the lone wolf who kind of like the tuxedo mask who kind of shows up. But uh, it seems like he's just boring and there. Well, he's kind of stoic sometimes. He's generally been pretty nice so far. Yeah, he's our, our resident Fushigina Bishonen or mysterious pretty boy. Uh, his main character traits are being as good, if not better than the main character at the things the main character does. And being mysterious. Yeah, he mm. he often will solve all the tricks of the murder. Be like, this is how the person got into that locked room. And then Q is like, great, now that you've covered that, let me tell you. Yeah, he's like I've a, solved the mystery. He's like a hero Yui that doesn't threaten to kill you for inviting you them to your birthday party. Yeah. Okay, so which Scooby-Doo character did we pick up for Ryu? Uh, Cosma is, <sighs> if Cosma is Velma. He's, he's a little bit the Fred, maybe. Just, like, capable and not that interesting. You don't think Kinta is Fred? Kinta's Scrappy. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Scrappy's Scrappy not did. one of the five choices. Yeah, Sorry, but he's set up the Scrappy. <laughs> Are we talking about Scooby-Doo, the show that Scrappy-Doo is on? Because Scrappy-Doo <laughs> is on Scooby-Doo, and he is Kinta. Let me pull out the official Scooby-Doo handbook right here. <laughs> I'll pull out my copy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, okay, so if so, we've got Velma, Scrappy, and Fred covered... <laughs> So Q and Megu, who are they? Well, Megu's the Daphne, right? Yeah, she's got to be the Daphne. Mini skirts. She's a girl. More capable than people give her credit for. The only girl besides Velma, but in this situation, there is only one girl. Okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say she's the uh, she's the Shaggy. I disagree with that. Okay. All right. I think Kent is the Shaggy. Kent is a scrappy do. We're not coming to an agreement Kinta on this. Kinta did eat a large sandwich in one bite. That did happen once. That's the thing that Shaggy does. Let me tell you how I assigned these roles instead of sleeping last night. Okay. <laughs> so I had Velma as Cosma. No, computer, where did this giant murder chart person. come from? Yes, uh, <laughs> Velma's Cosma. And then I had Ryu be Daphne. Mm. Is and- that because Ryu is secretly a woman? No, because because they're both glamorous. My running theory is that Ryu will reveal that he's been a girl this whole time at some point. That is a common thing that happens in these. Mm-hmm. It sure is a thing that happens. Then Kinta is Fred, because he's tall. I could see him in an ascot. Hmm. And that leaves for Megu and Q, just Scooby and Shaggy, because Scrappy is not on the on the docket here. And then I gave, I gave Megu Shaggy and Q is Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I think Q is in the Scooby. I agree with Q being Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo doesn't want to do anything. Scooby Doo doesn't want to solve the mysteries. I I'm putting my foot down. I don't think Q is Scooby Doo, and I will not continue this podcast until we've solved who <laughs> is Q. Well, that's too bad because I am moving on. I think <laughs> we just about discussed this as much as we can. We're not going to agree on this. It's it seems it seems pretty pretty certain. 
America's been more divided than ever, so yeah. Yeah, we we need help. We need you to email your opinion on which Detective Academy Q character is which Scooby-Doo character. Send that email to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com so that you can agree with me and we can tell Nick that Scrappy-Doo is not a main character in Scooby-Doo and doesn't get to be included. Thank you. And if you want to send us fun fan art of either uh, the Detective Academy Q characters as Scooby-Doo characters or the Scooby-Doo characters as Detective Academy Q characters or as any combination of them making out or doing sexy things, send it our way. Oh, boy. Michael, um, if I get some of that from an unidentified email address, I'm just going to assume it's you. Well, only if it's really bad. I think we should actually talk about this episode of anime. I think this is what people came to hear. Oh, that's what we do. I forgot. Yes, this is what we do. <laughs> We're not going to continue fan casting the Scooby-Doo uh, <laughs> uh, OVA. Clearly, we all could talk about this for hours. <laughs> I have to keep us on schedule. So let's let's start talking about this anime. The first, the very first scene is a scene between the the, the two teachers. Yes, Katagiri and Don. She's the second in command. She has glasses. He's the head of the school. He's he's in a wheelchair. Old man seems to have a hidden agenda. Kind but firm. Glasses woman is a clear McGonagall type. Uh, yeah. Just trying to keep things running. Uh, Don Sensei is he sick? Because at one point he's like, "I'm running. I'm running out of time." Yeah, that was that was the big dramatic part of this scene, right? He was like, Katagiri was being the McGonagall and was like, "Stop putting students in danger," and he was like. But I'm running out of time. Oh, he's, yeah. he's the Dumbledore. Oh, man. We know that he views Class Q as potential replacements for him. We didn't know there was a time limit. Oh, that was that was a, a, the dramatic reveal a couple episodes ago yeah. that you guys wouldn't know. Okay. Uh, so it's now apparently the highest ranked class. Surprise. They didn't know if they were higher ranked than classes A, B, C, or D, but it turns out uh, Q comes before A in the detective alphabet. <laughs> we learned something else interesting in this scene. Uh, which is that normal classes have a year of training before they're assigned to a real case, which seems contradictory to me because they've already solved like 12 murders. And also their very first day of, cl- of class, instead of going to class, they went and solved a murder. What? That's not usually how things are done. Yes, Katie? No, I'm just more of reacting to that. Like what? They've been put in a lot of danger. And when things weren't actually dangerous, they were psychologically traumatizing. Yes. By the perception of danger. Yeah, Dumbledore. Yeah, I mean, honestly. This is Dumbledore and all over it. Uh, he's training his uh, his replacement, his uh, dumb little little hairy boy. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that sentence. I just <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Oh no, are we gonna have to start analyzing which of the Detective Academy Q characters are which Harry Potter characters? Next? Okay, let's get started. We'll right. save that. No, we'll save that for later. The only so thing Q I'll add is clearly Harry. And um... stop. No. I think the, the I think the the skies guy he's he's clearly serious because he's fun. Okay, uh, so the, the no. only thing I'll say is as a counter for Dumbledore is Remind that me would uh, be the guy with the computer and you can't stop him. <laughs> the, is that is that I th- I think of Don as a Professor X type. Ron would be uh, all right. No reaction. Unlikable. All right, Mike, uh, Mike, Katie, let's start talking about scene I guess two. Kenta, but like Ron isn't good enough to be Kenta. <laughs> I can't, I can't air this because people will know how easy it is to just take control of this podcast. <laughs> who, who do you think would be Ron? Because I'm stuck on Ron. <laughs> um, 
No one needs to be Ron. Hot take. Great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next scene. Next scene. Wonderful. Um, So there's this very brief scene of Q running late to class. That I thought his watch being slow was going to be more relevant later, so I made a special note of it, but it wasn't relevant later. Yeah, I'm very confused. But it almost seemed to to answer a lingering question that I had in the back of my mind. Like, the whole purpose of this scene seemed to be to announce the classes start at 3 o'clock, or 3.30, which which was very shocking for me, because I thought this was their high school, their weird high school. And it turns out, remember when I was talking about cram school? Yeah, I remember. I think it's just a cram school, everybody. We've been had. If it's if it's not a cram school, it might be set up like a college where it's like, oh, we all have guns one oh one at two forty five. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we have shoe prints two oh two. Yeah, you can tell who like the sophomores and the freshmen are because the freshmen have all the morning classes and the sophomores are like, I'm all in the afternoon, I sleep in. I don't start detecting until 3 p.m. Don't even ask me to start detecting before <laughs> 2 p.m. That, that's also plausible to me. I don't think it's conclusive, but definitely suggests that that could be the case. I mean, they've never done anything like regular high school Yeah, but they also have, like spend several days away on at least one occasion. So it's like, what's happening to their regular school? I see, I see. No one cares. So we learned that the start of class is at 3.30. Can someone explain to me exactly what happened? Maybe there was an error in the translation here, but I just didn't understand the point of this conversation. My note was that, has someone messed with his watch? Like, Because it felt like they were setting up like that someone's trying to like, like trip him up. But then it was that no one has touched his watch and it was the concept of time that he's like messing with his watch yeah he seems to think reality is trying to play a prank on him and he's like oh good one you almost got me right he thought he was running late because his watch stopped at 3 30 which is right before class starts but it was only three o'clock and he thought someone played a psychological trick on him but I, no one did a joke I, I really thought it was setting us up for a clock trick later and that just didn't happen i thought just it was just his mom was like this kid's always late i gotta i gotta set his clock early otherwise he'll mom would do that she would do that i don't know it it was baffling to me and and like you all said it didn't it didn't quite go anywhere but you know fun times sure he doesn't have a cute watch like megu (laughs) (laughs) um so now they come into the school and a bunch of people are gathered around the announcement that there's going to be a class seating examination where people can move up in classes if they do well. Before class Q, people were just trying to get into class A. Mm-hmm. But now people have their eyes on class Q. They found out it was desirable after making fun of it for so long. So here we get introduced to class A, who is another group of five people that you can write in via email because we will not discuss right now and let us know who is which Scooby-Doo character from among that group of five people. And they're they're immediately so much more interesting than the main cast. Honestly, yeah. They're much more overtly competent. Yes. And their skills are so much more interesting. Like ma- like I re- like math, magic, psychology, author. Like these are fun things. Not just a boy with a computer. Let's go through all five of them. We actually don't get the intros in this scene because in the next scene, Cosima Googles them again. 
and tells us, he's like, I found some more information, but really this is information we learned in their first appearance, which was a few episodes ago. I'm really curious, like, he's Googling these characters. Who wrote up these very official-looking profiles, like, that he just Googled? Like, did Don Sensei write it up? <laughs> I don't know. He's He can find anything. They're government. Uh, he hacked into government. Why does the government have... Who's writing these profiles? It's weird. Hack, he hacked into government. He hacked into government. <laughs> There's a, there's yeah. a fandom wiki for everything, even regular people. Someone's someone's updating the wiki on our lives right now. Oh my god, so, I hope so. Has anyone been on the Don Bluth wiki, the fan wiki for the Don Bluth movies? No. Can't say I have. Um, you know, like the the Swan Princess, uh, Fievel Goes West, like all of those movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Katie, I know who Don Bluth is. I'm explaining this to the maybe the people who are listening to this podcast who aren't big Bluth heads, okay? <laughs> you know I'm a Bluthy. <laughs> yes. But there's this guy who wrote profiles for some of the characters in, like, for the Don Bluth wiki, and some of them were like, oh, this person finds this character attractive. <laughs> is it being subtle about it? And that's just what it reminds me of. Just like this, like, all right, we're going to put all this information up about this person. I don't know. That's what it, I just want to talk about the Dumbledore movie a lot. It's so weird. Uh, Katie, you were looking for something to plug. Oh, Dumbledore. Check out the Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> this, this person who wrote the profile on Mrs. Fieldmouse from the Thumbelina movie thinks that she is sexually confident. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sounds like hours of fun. Speaking of fun, let's go through the members of Class A. We, we won't spend too much time on it because they don't do too much in this episode. Let's be real. But there's five of them. We'll save our favorite for last. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is Goda Kyosuke. He is the puzzle king. Fred. <laughs> and he's a mathematical genius. I'll pretend I didn't hear that. And then we have uh, Shiramane Hayato-san, who's the prince of magic. Scooby-Doo. I, I don't understand how being good at magic makes you good at solving crimes. Oh, you have got to check out uh, the British TV show Jonathan Creek. Okay. Starring Alan Davis, who is um, not the magician, but he's he de- designs tricks for a magician, and then he solves mysteries. Yeah, Katie, you asked a simple question. The answer is watch an entire TV show, and then uh, <laughs> then you'll know. We're, like, existing in this fictional universe where every murder has a trick behind it. Yeah. So someone who knows tricks, I guess, would be a good detective. In um, Detective Conan, if you're a magician, then you're a thief. Well, only if you're Kaito Kid. Okay, well, that's one example, which proves the point. (laughs) The third member of Class A is Shishido-san. He's the least remarkable of them, but he did study at Harvard and has a doctorate in criminal psychology at the age of 20. Yeah, he's 20. Daphne. And he's competing with 14-year-olds. Yeah. I also hear he's a Daphne. Yeah, Daphne. <laughs> and then there's Yukihira-san. I have to correct myself because I think I spent all of our last episode calling her Yukihina okay. because I wrote it down wrong from the subtitles. Her name is Yukihira, and she's the author of best-selling mystery novels. Mm-hmm. And I would call her the main character of Class A, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, she's always in the center of any, like when they have them arranged in a group shot, she's always in the middle. She's the driving force and also the Velma. The one who's competent. Yeah, totally. And then that brings us to the fifth member of uh, Class A, the only one who's like reasonably incompetent, Saburo Maru. Oof. Shaggy. 
And he had a very fun shirt that just has third on it, <laughs> which got me interested. And it turns out, uh, so Saburo Maru, so Saburo is a very common Japanese name to name uh-huh. the third child. Uh, and Maru is like, you add it to the end of stuff to be like, this is precious, or we love this. And it's like, so he's a precious third child. He's like the precious third child, which sums up his like weird, like mediocre, but rich lineage. Oh my gosh. It's like I'm looking in the mirror. <laughs> I'm a third child. Are you a third child? Are you a precious third child? I <laughs> wouldn't use the word precious to describe myself. That explains all those uh, polo shirts you have with third on it that I never thought about. I would yeah. love a shirt that says third on it. I think that's a great joke. <laughs> Before before uh, this happened uh, and we were like introduced to them all, I just want to like mention this real quick. There was a, a yeah, scene yeah. where uh, everyone just said things were interesting constantly, like "Oh, how interesting! Oh, how interesting!" And then like the guy in the wheelchair shows up. This is interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got to talk about the way he r- rolls in there because he like cuts through that scene like a knife. I don't know if that's a good description. Cuts through the scene like uh, like like uh, she like pair of shears. Like a hot needle through a, a wall of butter, like um, <laughs> like a, a a dart being thrown at a, a a wine cork. Help me out here, Katie. What else we got? <laughs> um, it's like a a brown dog running through a snowstorm. Yes. <laughs> like the the best man asking for the next dance for, with the bride. Like a sexually charged cooking knife through a hot cube of gelatin yes like like a, like a hot pocket right out of the microwave thrown into a paper towel how do you sexually charge a cooking knife do you like <laughs> plug it into a sex battery a, a sex battery <laughs> what is a sex battery it's the battery from a dildo uh, you know those oh you made a double a uh yeah <laughs> sure the sexiest battery the double a I, oh. think, I think you could also just like let, like you could like sharpen your knife and then just lay it in the, like the centerfold of like a erotic magazine. You could do that. <laughs> yeah. And and when you come back later, you pull out the knife like it's it's somehow a little heavier, and all the pages in the magazine are blank. It absorbed it in. It just took the soul of the porno mag. <laughs> Someday we will encounter a murder mystery where the weapon was a sexually charged knife, <laughs> and. Uh, or. Do- on the hilt there's a little uh genitals carved into like the hilt of the knife that's sexually charged you know yeah yeah it's got like a rupee on it wait is it the is it the fifth wedding anniversary that's the uh erotic cutlery yeah anniversary yeah Mm -hmm. yeah paper tin silver wood wood (laughs) charged objects so I think what actually happens in this scene, one of my best segues, is that they're all like kind of challenging each other. They're like, we'll beat you. When's the test going to happen? It can't happen soon enough, whatnot. And then Don comes in on in his wheelchair and like everything stops. His music starts playing. We get like the close up reaction shots from everyone's faces. It's like, gasp, we've been interrupted. And he's like, well, why doesn't it happen right now? Yeah. And I think we should follow that example of, like, cutting to the chase. The All butler right, so did who it. is Ron? <laughs> and cut to the chase. All right, scene, scene next. Scene next. They are told about the challenge. The setting 
is a small village in the mountains. This is Kamikakushi Village. We're going to be talking about this village so much you're going to get tired of it. A college student went missing there without a trace. There's video footage taken by his friend that they show us of the place. And there was a continuous set of footprints that come from his window where he disappeared. And they stop in the middle of the field. But because there wasn't enough in evidence, it was never investigated. And people said he was spirited away while looking for treasure. They call it the case of the disappearance into thin air. Gasp. I think that the cops really just shit the bed on this one. That they didn't <laughs> even try to look for this person. Right, the explanation was, there's not enough information, so it's not a missing persons case. Well, two episodes ago, there was something that looked like a ghost might have done it, and they were like, well, I guess we don't need to investigate and blame any of the people in the room at the time. Yeah, the cops were very into the ghost just being the murderer in that episode, yeah. Is this, is, I'm, now that, like, you're saying this out loud, is this more of, like, a cultural thing that, like, I just don't understand? Like, does Japan and, like, Japanese culture hold, like the presence of spirits to like a different standard than we do. I think maybe more out in the boonies, okay. uh, which is where we're to believe this, this village is. And then the, the name of the village is very on the nose. It's so it's Kamikakushi village, which is literally the Japanese term spirited away, which is like, like the movie, they, the, the studio Ghibli movie spirited away. They like that even specifically mention later. Yeah. Oh, so the, wait, so the movie Spirited Away, the Japanese title is Kamikakushi? So the, the full title is Sento Chihiro no Kami, Kamikakushi. That's a mouthful. So like, Senen Chihiro's Spirited Away. Uh, and the, the, the phrase is literally like, hidden by a god. So it's like, like a spirit has come and hidden you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do think there's a cultural, there are cultural kind of um, analogs. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about X-Files and other TV shows where it's like, this town has a history of mis- missing people over the years. Right. And there's rumors and stuff, but not, mm. not enough that, that you'd be like, oh yeah, ghost. But in general, it's like, done it. this was out in the boonies, so they didn't try hard enough. It's mm. approximately right. probably what we're, we're looking at. The other key fact we learn in this first part is that uh, Ry- Ryu is like a seasonal genius. A seasonal genius? Yeah, because he identifies the season Oh yeah, based on the video footage. Yeah. It's just before planting season. Yeah. Because the rice patties only have a little bit of water in them. This show has a bad habit of naming anyone a genius if they know one thing. <laughs> <laughs> if they do one thing right, they're a genius. Yeah, we've, we've already gotten a few angry letters from the president of Mensa. <laughs> very wordy and they were real letters too he did not email us he did not email oh. us he found our mailing address that's he was so you know school. smart that way that's 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 nice that's that's classic i like that he's nice. a genius of writing angry letters yeah nice like wax seal oh man that's how you get hate mail this brings us to the diorama oh it's so fun the diorama in the middle of a empty dark warehouse it's so dark and empty in this room and it's huge and has this tiny diorama with a just a floodlight on it i like to imagine that don made katagiri stay up like for several nights in a row making this oh no yeah (laughs) someone has gone to the effort to make a 72 to 1 scale recreation of the scene where this disappearance took place in the form of a diorama it's got a little tractor a little planter which is another kind of thing and it has working floodgates and flowing water that the gate can open to flood the field and close to unflood the field or vice versa it's like the amount of effort that uh these tabletop minifig game people get into making their oh yeah tops 
I wanted to play with this so badly. I, I, I just want to like make a little like scene, and then and then when you find out later that they have all the the items of the murder. Oh, that was so fun! Lots of little toys. He had a drawer full of evidence figurines, and they only used one of them. Yeah, it's, it's kind of disappointing. That's <laughs> true. Also, like that couldn't be like the idea that those were the things found in the room. That's insane. There's no bed. There's no clothes. There's no... Oh my gosh. I've got a list of that. Oh, and also the <laughs> river. This was what I noticed when they were first showing the, the diorama, is that the river really flowed. And I was like... Yeah, the river really yeah. flowed. So much effort. Like, this is the kind of thing they do at the Franklin Institute. All right, Nick, you mentioned the items. So let's jump to that, and then we'll come back. They talk about it for a bit, and they can't solve it. And Don's like, oh, by the way... There were a bunch of things that were found in the room, and we put them all on little cards. There's a lot of them. Uh, They are compass, thermos, flip phone, like a cell phone, utility knife, flashlight, rope, camera, shovel, life vest, rubber raft, air pump, sleeping bag, and they're all in a large backpack found in the room. Mm -hmm. They They only bothered with the things that were either relevant or in their evidence deck. Did they have a set of cards, and they were like, these are the things we found. Yeah, I'm not going to print new cards for this mystery. It's not very plausible to me that someone used a bed to to get to the middle of a field and make footprints. Okay, we're jumping ahead. Yeah. So those are the those are the cards that will come into play. Mm-hmm. But they they set up the mystery a little bit more. Um, here's some more details. The footprints were discovered at 7 a.m. just before breakfast, but the student was last seen at 10 a.m. the night before in the giant bath of the hotel. Now, class A tells us that sunrise is 5.50 a.m., and they know that because it's planting season, which gives the murderer only five to six hours to do this in. They they talk about that time frame like it's not a lot of time. <laughs> like, they are just like, well, how could he do it in five to six hours? It's like, I think you can do a lot in five to six hours if you're really determined to make someone disappear. Yeah, if you've ever just sat alone in your room and, like, thought about your life for five to six hours, it's a real long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's long. Hashtag long. quarantine life. <laughs> One thing I noticed here is that, like, when Class A is talking, they all kind of take turns, um, which kind of shows you, except for Saburumaro, he's useless. Yes. Um, which kind of shows you how they all are super smart and work together. I also don't think, like, they all have kind of distinctive traits, but they don't have super distinctive personalities so far. Right. It's just, like, the four guys. At this point, I think it's very obvious that we don't know what the rules are for this uh, this challenge, and we don't know uh, how to win, and we don't know what happens if a person does win. Oh, yeah. It's very confusing, because they're all in the room together sharing information and talking. Yeah. Uh, and learning from each other. Right. They should be they should be in separate rooms with separate dioramas and see who can do it the fastest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it does not make sense that they're, like, just screaming out information at each other and then being surprised when the other group, like, takes that information and builds upon it. This was really confusing to watch. I would say. <laughs> I think that the the case itself wasn't super confusing once they started like building on it, but the fact that like Nick said it's like you don't really know what the rules are here. Why are they in the same room? Like and then it gets revealed as to like why it's kind of a mess afterwards, but like watching yeah. it, it was just like this this feels bad. Like this doesn't feel like good 
like a good setup for a school whose thing is detective work. Yeah. I had no qualms about this setup. And I don't know. Maybe I've just seen too much of the too much of these kinds of shows. Well, so evidence <laughs> cards notwithstanding, that this really felt like this general formula of like an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh, mm. where it's like you did this? No, I did that all along. It's like just whipping revelations at each other yeah. and getting surprised. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit more about their discussion of the murder. So they talk a bit about the footprints. They think the perpetrator made the footprints to arouse suspicion on the superstition. Right. So did we did we talk about the, the setup of the footprints at all? They go from the the window, the open window of the hotel room of the victim or yeah. disappeared person uh, all the way to the middle of this rice paddy uh-huh. uh, and then just end. And what they say is that these aren't probably aren't actually the victim's footprints, but that the perpetrator made these deliberately to arouse superstition and get people to say that a spirit took this guy away. So the question is, how can you make footprints that stop in the middle of the field? And Kinta suggests something that Ryu agrees with, which is that you want to get to the middle of the field without making footprints and then walk backwards and make footprints to the window, which you just leave open. Right. Yes. Weirdly obvious uh, answer. Before we can get to that, there's one more thing we have to do, which is have some math time. Math time! Because Saburomaru declares that he solved it. And the one thing that we know is that Sabramaru is going to be wrong. Like, they're not going to let him be the one <laughs> nope. to get it correct. So there's, like, two kind of tractory things along the edge of the thing. And he's like, well, you can't move walls, but you can move the little planter machine. And if you put it directly across from the tractor, you can hang a wire from one to the other and shimmy along the wire to get to the middle of the field. Yeah, just tightrope walk. Just tightrope walk. the middle walk. of the field, that's all. <laughs> that's not even the problem, because Goda... The Puzzle King debunks his own teammate with this lovely math business. Are you ready? Is everyone ready? Oh, you, you wrote got down your the pencils numbers, and paper. Huh? Oh, yeah. It's physics time. Um, please, if you are driving, please wait until you get home to uh, put this into your personal math computer to see that this checks out. But the field is 100 meters wide. He says the piano wire is two meters above the ground. He's estimating that the person weighs 40 kilograms. The wire can only descend 1.3 meters or they'll touch the ground. And if the wire has a radius of five millimeters, the force would be 500 kilograms, which would uh, make the tractor fall over. Let's break some of that down. 100 meters wide, just so you know, is like 330 feet, about 110 yards. Yeah, we all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing I question, 40 kilogram weight of a person, Google tells me that's only 88 pounds. Japanese people are light. <laughs> 88 pounds? <laughs> is the estimate for an unknown murderer? Maybe they're being generous. They're just saying, you know, it, if this if this person can't pass the test, then no one could. Right. Yeah. Like, if this incredibly light person is too heavy, then a heavier person definitely couldn't do it. Yeah. But general, skipping all the math, in order to do this, the tension required would knock the tractor over, so it's impossible. Yeah. I just enjoyed how technical the scene was. Cosmo types everything into his computer, and I was like, he's right! He did all that in his head. Yeah, he relies too much on that computer. Yeah. This is, I think this is the point where they bring out the little props, and this reminded me so much of a little uh, little known director by the, known, by the name of Peter Jackson, who... Uh, if you watch the documentaries of a movie he made, uh, a series of movies uh, called Lord of the Rings, he kept making props and props and models and models and models of every little scene. And that's what this reminded me of. We have cards, we have props, we have dioramas. It's so much stuff 
And uh, I think Peter Jackson funds the school. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying that if Don is the Gandalf, then who is the Frodo? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> shutting it down. <laughs> I don't shutting know if Don down. is the Gandalf. I think uh, Don would be the. Uh... Yeah, I don't think Don is the Gandalf. I don't know if there's a Gandalf yet, because I'm thinking like Tinta mm. feels more like a like a. Um, uh, reuse the Legolas because he's mysterious and attractive. <laughs> or he could be the Galadriel. He could, he's just an elf. He's one of the named elves. Okay. And then I think Kinta's. I, I honestly think Kinta's the Gimli. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just <laughs> agrees. Yeah. Speaking of Gimli, let's uh, axe this. <laughs> <laughs> let's get thrown back into the plot. Nick, I don't think we're ever getting asked back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a shame, Katie, because it's mostly Nick's fault. Oh, no. <laughs> now you're lumped in with Nick. Uh, we're now at the commercial break because Yuki Hero is like, I've solved it, which means it's time for a commercial break. When we come back from the commercial break, what we're going to figure did you this watch? out. Because I saw one about... Uh... So you're saying you paused the episode and, and sought out some commercials on your own? Yeah, yeah, I, I just uh, typed in commercials into YouTube and like saw whatever came up. Were you watching commercials from Japan in 2003? Uh, no, I was not. I was watching commercials in the United States from 1997. So well, that's that's off. Holiday themed. Uh, lots of lots of McDonald's. Uh, I was holiday saying, is, it themed just, is it just the McDonald's one where it's the little boy and the ice ice skating? So wait, if Kin if Kinta is the grimace. <laughs> then who's the Ronald? <laughs> well, I mean, Don's clearly Mary McCheese. Uh, yeah. No, we can hear that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I'll. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to what we're doing, but uh, I need to make sure you all have seen two Japanese commercials when we're done. Okay. <laughs> um, we're out of milk and uh, Long Long Man. You seen oh, Long, I've Long, seen, Man? I've seen Long, Long Long Man? Long Long Man. I haven't seen Long Long Man. Oh no, you, Katie! <laughs> you will love Long Long Man. Talking about sensual food. Oh, oh my lord. <laughs> Alright. So, Yukihira has solved the mystery, and they are under this pressure, this competitive pressure, to solve the mystery fastest because their class rank depends on it. So they're not sitting here talking about who's Gandalf, who's Ron Weasley. No one cares who's Ron Weasley. Let's be honest here. Not even Ron Weasley. Not even Ron Weasley. Not even Ginny Weasley. I mean, there are six other more interesting Weasleys. No, you know Gandalf and Ron Weasley are in different fictional universes, right? Like, we have to start all over now because you've combined the two. It's a mess. We can't clean up this mess. We, we really can't. We've made a mess of that. But we can clean up the mess of the case of the disappearing person. There's only one answer Yukihira says if the person is walking backward, and she goes to grab the appropriate card off of the table. But Q already grabbed it in the most Yu-Gi-Oh moment of the episode. He yeah. reveals his trap card. He's holding the card up in his hand so that we can't see what it is yet. Holding it between his two fingers like a little cigarette. Yeah. Oh, that's how anime people hold cards. Yeah, I've got, I know that. I'm saying that they all <laughs> hold cards like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I actually think the origin of that is nested in how Japanese people or how Go professionals hold their Go stones, which is like with their two, with their index finger and their uh, middle finger. 
sort of holding the stone very minimally in a way that I'm physically doing that I can't show. Yeah, anyone. Mike is demonstrating and I'm going, yes, yes, and nodding my head. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's actually t- has its origins in that. Okay. That you can tell someone's a GoPro, uh, not a GoPro, but a GoPro. <laughs> a GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> By how they hold their Go stones. Okay, so here's what you do. You take the um, pad of your middle finger mm-hmm. and you put it on the nail of your index finger. Yes. This is what we're spending time on, not uh, not Scooby Doo and uh, Lord of the Rings casting. <laughs> well, well, yeah, all these things you can play along at home. I think Katie's right. I think it's a cigarette. <laughs> so he's he's holding the card, and he gives us his two hints. I do want to spoil for Katie and Nick. Sometimes, sometimes there are more than two hints. No, what? But the merchandise I printed up. Oh my God! We should do two hints T-shirts. Ooh, what a great idea. Uh, does anyone remember what Q's two hints were for this case? I feel like one of the hints was just the answer. And it was the other one's the floodgate, right? Right. So the two hints are that, it, or the two hints he gives is that it's before planting season and that it's the rubber raft. I would, right. also, I would also like to reveal at this time that that was the podcast seating examination in which you two could have succeeded us <laughs> as the hosts of this podcast. Oh, no. And you failed. You failed. We're still, we're still in twist. podcast A? Oh, no. Honestly, if Nick and I took over this podcast, it would it would go to shambles. Like, <laughs> we wouldn't talk about this anime at all. So, uh, I am gonna I am gonna shut up now and turn it over to all of you. Tell me how this mystery was solved. Oh my gosh! We okay. got our two hints before planting season and the rubber raft. Mm-hmm. This is not a test because you've already failed the test, says Michael. Wow. Okay, so. He opens the floodgates, and then he gets on the float and quickly floats to the middle. And then somehow, I don't remember if they explained this, but they reopen the floodgates and the water just gets sucked back out. I don't know how. Well, so the setup is uh, they start with the rice paddy flooded to full capacity. Yeah. And then he opens the floodgate, so while it's draining, he floats out. And he has to time it up so that it's empty while he's in the middle. Yeah, it's like if you're taking a bath and... Uh, well, I've never taken a bath in my whole life, so I can't relate to this. Really? No, I've taken baths. I was doing a bit. Well, here's a question. When you take a bath and you drain the water, do you get out of the tub? Do you, like, do you, does anybody else sit in the tub while the water is no, draining? No, I sit in the, I sit in the tub because it, it feels... It's a weird sensation. Like It's like all the water's getting cold. And you watch your rubber ducky kind of float down and rest onto the middle of your tummy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, what, what have you been doing while I sleep? Taking baths. Uh, I, I understand how this worked in real life. I don't understand how this worked in the diorama where they opened the floodgate, water came in, and then they opened the floodgate and water came out. Yeah. So there's only, there's only one opening of the gate, essentially. It's like you close the floodgate to fill it. Uh-huh. And then you open the floodgate, and while it's draining, you float out onto the field. No, because they pulled the gate up, and that let water in. There isn't, like, a second gate to open. So unless there's some mechanic where the water can get sucked out, because if it's just a it's gotta be a way to drain it. Well, rice paddies work that way, so it must. there must be some kind of explanation that we're just assumed we're supposed to know, I guess. Yeah, maybe it just all gets sucked in. Maybe there's kind of, the field is designed so that it kind of gets sucked down. We didn't take that second grade field trip. We're not Japanese uh, grade, no. grade schoolers. Um, but you're right. He de- he demonstrates this whole thing on the diorama as he's doing it, which means instead of having the perpetrator walk, 
we get to see Q kind of walk through the field. With oh, his he little does fun, fun little finger steps. That's so cute. Yeah, I liked that. Also, this diorama has functioning mud. How they? How, where did they get mud? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is where statement. we get to the point where uh, the stuff you noticed earlier about how this is kind of being poorly run and it's not clear what the rules are really comes to bite Don in the butt because class A is like, wait, we actually solved it first, but then he stole our card and you just let him talk? Like, who won? We won. What? How? Who? And the bell rings. And he, he's literally, he's saved by it. Yeah, he's saved by the bell. And then he stands up out of his wheelchair. Yeah, I noticed that right away that he was standing. <laughs> like, yes. like, nothing, like, nothing's wrong. Boy, was I like, oh, you evil, evil faker man. Yeah, well, everybody looks at him like, what is going on? And I definitely had a moment where I was like, is, does Don not actually need a wheelchair? Because that is sometimes the twist in a, in a mystery. Yeah. The, so right so we're like what is going on and don wheels himself all the way out into the courtyard stands up out of his chair and rips his big old face off to reveal our ron <laughs> we, we found is him. disguise found... sensei the ron i think so i think he's the ron yeah After... this is nanami who is this the magic guy is this the guy who's good at magic no this is the dis what we Assume oh. at this point, because it still hasn't been explicitly said, is the disguise teacher, or at least is the teacher that disguises himself. He's a disguise. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you met him in the first episode, but he no. was a he was a highlight of the second episode. He he disguised himself as pandas, as signs, as uh, cactuses. Yeah, and he disguised himself as a butler recently. A ninja butler. A ninja butler. He just pops up all over the place. This is, did anyone watch uh, Master of Dis- Masters of Disguise as a kid? That's what this reminds me of. Is just that. That's it. <laughs> That's a good crossover this, idea. It is a weird anime concept where people can live in this inc- this very like realistic air quotes world, but at the same time, it's so easy to disguise yourself as another human being that people do it all the time, and you can just rip off the face, and everyone yeah. thought it was someone else. It's also that the the makeup is so good in this universe that like you can't tell that like what this person is wearing is like silicone and a whole different bone structure. Well, that's just <laughs> contouring. You can get a lot done with contouring. Well, I don't contour because it's too much work. Don't you want to look like an old man? No. Or drag queen? No. You don't? Oh. But all of these supposedly brilliant detectives were completely fooled throughout. And uh, the real Don confronts Nanami after he's revealed himself and is like, you were just having a laugh. Yep, by disguising yourself as me. It turns out this whole test was shoddy because it was actually just shoddy. Which, which seems like a fireable offense, but you know. You but, can't be fired. But Donna's like, good job though, because you successfully tested them and it, it has helped me make my decision on something he was torn over at the beginning of the episode, which was whether to get these five children in Class Q involved in this, this terrible, terrible mystery that he's going to get them involved in. So the class is all back in their classroom. their separate, separate classroom out there in the woods where they are very far away from any other students in the school. And Don comes in to present what is going to be our next five episodes of anime, just our next episode of the podcast, that he is sending them out to Kamakakushi Village, plus the nearby village of Hyotan, where seven people have disappeared in the last decade. The case is still unsolved. And, quote, 
I am leaving the resolution of this case to you. Ooh. Ooh. Seems wise. Surprise, this was actually just part of a setup for uh, the next whole bunch of episodes, I guess. Yeah. So did that kid who disappeared from the hotel never get justice? Like, what? Like what's no, going on No, it's so there? unsolved. Nope, unsolved. Don figured out the thing about the footprints, but nobody knows, you know, who did it or why. Is that addressed in this next, uh, like, is this the same town? Yeah, so in the next okay. uh, five episodes of the anime, there's going to be a series of murder mysteries. They're going to go out to this town. In fact, uh, we then see Q packing for the trip. I noticed he packed pants and plenty of snacks. Well, uh, they translated it as pants. Pantsu is underwear, so he, he packed oh. un- plenty of underwear. Well, pants is also underwear in English. Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> what are we doing? What? Pants are also underwear? <laughs> the word pants in Britain mean underwear. Oh. Well, that's that's probably where they adapted it from. British. What English. is the yeah. word for pants? I don't remember. Trousers. I don't remember. Uh, do they wear jeans? Another jeans? We should have never, never left. We should have never caused this revolution. <laughs> we could have had okay. the metric system and jumpers. Zubon. Zubon is pants. Okay, Japanese. so jeans are... Uh, that's Fred. Uh, corduroy <laughs> would be Daphne. No, corduroy has got to be Velma. Velma's, Velma's a corduroy. You think Velma's corduroy? Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, oh, guess what? what? No, what is the significance of iris-colored underwear? So guess what? I uh, I just found a uh, lid on the ground, and I'm closing up this can of worms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, put this on the shelf. That was excellent object work, Noah. You must be an improviser. <laughs> so um, mom comes in and gives him a charm that she got from like a from a nearby shrine? Is yeah, that so this said? is an omomori. Uh, they're sold at Buddhist temples, and they just sort of are to give someone good luck or projection, protection. Kind of like, hey, it's it's almost like the spiritual equivalent of networking. Like, hey, you spirit, I kind of know this spirit, so don't mess with me. Yeah. Well, it's nice. It's a nice gesture. She also, Katie, is wearing her hot mom apron, mm-hmm. or her hot tea apron. Did you, did you catch her apron? I did catch her apron. She's, uh, I just feel bad for her. I feel bad for (laughs) Still no name. Yeah. Which brings us first to the ending song. We'll get to the post-credits in just a second. She also, like, she has a very nice moment where she, like, in her head is like, hey, my dead husband. Dead? Maybe. He must be dead if she's praying to him, right? Like, protect Q. Unless he's just gonna, like, pop out and be like, I was here all along. Yeah, I, I got the impression that he was dead. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the ending song. This is we've just it's a new one. We've just had it for the past few episodes. Um, I loved it in the sense that it's like that classic anime thing where or at least in the animes that I've watched where the ending credits have nothing to do with anything that's happened in the show. Yeah. Because it's just like this fun beach montage. The episode before this was a beach episode. Oh, we missed the beach episode. I didn't even miss the beach episode. Okay, so for me, it's completely disconnected, but I guess within the canon of the show, it is connected. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love uh, when end credits have nothing to do. I love when they're happy, not sad. Uh, yeah. There's usually a, a tendency for the end credits to be sad and melancholy, but... Uh, yeah. Like, like, in, like in Gundam Wing right now, I'm watching the end credits, and it's just uh, one of the main characters on a safari that she's never mentioned before. Uh, it's very fun. It's just she's like slapping a rhino. She's just having fun. Uh, it has nothing to do with giant robots. Yeah, I definitely like this song better than the previous song. It's, it's fun. It's very summery mm-hmm. because there's pictures of them at the beach. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And also to go on uh, Mike's theory of like that Ryu might reveal that they that because like all of the all of the boys are shirts off, all of the girls are in bikinis, Megu, Megu. <laughs> and Ryu's in a sweatshirt. Yeah, Mike has pointed that out. Aha as evidence for his theory. He also suspects that the chest we see in the opening with the mysterious tattoo might be Ryu. Yeah. Might belong to Ryu. Oh, yeah. I saw that and I was like, what? what's this? What's... It's a chest. So it's one, the other, or both. Yeah. I don't know yet. So this is probably my favorite post credit scene that we've ever had in the history of this show. <laughs> it was, it's delightful. Mom is like, here, take all these other things that I got for you. I have a list. Is everyone ready? Okay. Yes. What did she th- okay. pack I'll, I'll tell you which members of Scooby-Doo these items are. <laughs> Pickled plums. Scrappy. Umeboshi. New pajamas. Scooby-Doo. Stomach wrap for colds. Velma. A camera. Daphne. A bottle of water. Brad. A first aid kit. Shaggy. A radio. Old man Jenkins. And then I start to have question marks on a lot of these items. Paper bag. Oh yeah, I, uh, that's uh I, 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 for barfin. I don't know the bus, shaving cream. Uh, uh, <laughs> run out of characters. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm pulling up a list of the do- Scooby Doo's cousins. <laughs> oh yeah, Batman. Uh, cigarettes. Evan Costello. Calculator. Uh, Great Grandpa Scooby. Backpack. <laughs> Do. Orange. <laughs> what do, <we> do? <laughs> A fish. Horton do. These are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing she pulls out is a fish, which is uh stand in for Horton do. Uh, and she's just <laughs> holding this big fish, which is clearly not a good thing to pack for a long trip. I, I I'm not a parent. So I don't know what it's like to be like, oh, my kid's going to go do something. Let me help them prep. But never have I been given like raw meat or like a raw fish as like you're this on your journey. I feel like as a parent, as the only parent on this podcast, uh, it is responsible to prep your kid for whatever may come. Uh, maybe they don't need the fish, but maybe they can use the fish to trade and barter for something else that they need. Maybe they come across someone who is hungry and want to feed them, and that's just good karma. That 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 adds that adds uh, joy to their own lives. You should help your kid, give them the tools they need to succeed, and then let them let them succeed or fail on their own. Spoken like wow. a true parent. But yeah, I, I wouldn't give them a fish. That's stupid. <laughs> you should uh, you should do an anime parenting podcast where you like watch anime with parents in it. And and then to still parenting. Lessons. Oh, I, I mean, the best parent I've ever seen in, in any anime is uh, the uh, mom in uh, Erased. If you've ever seen the anime Erased, uh, the mom is very good. Huh. Well, that's good to know. Um. So, boom, boom. You now have each watched two or three episodes of Detective Academy Q from the very beginning of the show till now. Nick, one of these days, I'm going to bring you in for a proper murder mystery because I feel like I still haven't given you a proper murder mystery to represent this genre. I, I thought this was a good murder mystery. I, I liked it. I liked the um, I liked how simple it was just a simple one episode mystery. Uh, the ending wasn't like the conclusion wasn't great, but it still made sense. Like I was able to kind of figure it out along with them. 
I like this much more than the Walking in the Woods two-parter that uh, you gave me the first time. Yeah, and uh, that time you uh, behaved, yeah. and this time you didn't, so <laughs> next time you're going to get something Aww. real dull. Katie, how about you? Um, to your first episode. I liked them both for different reasons, because I felt like the first episode was more of a murder mystery. Because it was, like, they were actually, like, thrown into a case rather than, like, having this, like, situation handed to yeah. them. But yeah, it was fun. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Well, we liked having both of you back. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? <laughs> Michael can see my face. <laughs> Noah, stop Stop tearing your hair out. <laughs> Let's do the four of us, Scooby-Doo. Who, who, uh, who? Okay, I, wait. Can I be the Velma? Hold on. Put a pin in this. Mm. It's not. It's not how I work. I'll bring us right back to this because I think you hit on mm. something. Okay. Um, but first, there's just a couple. There's a, just a couple businesses I got to get out of the way. Okay, businesses. Costco, FedEx, UPS. All right, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so we have an exciting thing coming up that we're recording in a few weeks, and um, in about three weeks' time, it'll air. As, a, as our podcast episode, it is our first official spinoff. <gasps> Nick and Katie, you're hearing about this for the first time. It is called Dying Message Challenge Competitive Book Club. Uh, I've recruited three contestants to be amateur sleuths. One of them is Michael. <gasps> They're all going to read uh, Murder in the Crooked House, which is a Japanese mystery novel by Soji Shimada from the early <gasps> 80s. They're going to read... Up to the point where the author tells them that they have enough clues to solve the mystery. They're going to come on the podcast and tell me what who they think did it and why. They're going to do a bunch of crazy little challenges to compete for unnecessary points. Uh, and then we're all going to go away for a week so that they can finish the book. And then we'll see who was maybe the closest, if it's even possible for anybody to get the right answer. That's going to be so much fun. If you want to play along, you should read through page 283 of the English edition of Murder in the Crooked House by Soji Shimada and join us for Dying Message Challenge. And yeah, if you do read the book and you've got your ideas of who did it and why, send them to dyingmessagepodcast at gmail.com or your other thoughts, messages and whatnot. We will uh, read them on the podcast within reason. Um, send us your Scooby-Doo, your Harry Potter, your Lord of the Rings, all those worms that we've let out of their cans. <laughs> send them back to roost. Just slash all, slash all the characters into pairings and tell us uh, how you feel about their relationships. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is where we turn to our guests. We say thank you and we say, hey, um, if people enjoyed your shenanigans, your mischief, your madness, where can they find you or what do you want them to know about? So I'm on the, uh, uh, if you enjoy this, this punchy energy that I'm putting out, uh, I am on, uh, the end crowd, uh, which is Philly's longest running independent comedy show. Uh, we're doing bi-weekly shows on Twitch. You can watch it for free there. Uh, we are also starting some new shows outside of our regular, uh, short form improv games, uh, which are going to be really fun. Really cool. Uh, we're, having fun experimenting with the uh, the online uh, format and we're going to keep making fun stuff. Uh, so please come watch us. And uh, I'm also, yeah, I mentioned before, but I'm directing Smoke Break, which is this awesome long form uh, virtual improv show about people working at a mall uh, and taking their breaks and talking to each other and hanging out and the fun they have uh, in those moments. 
I am not on that, but I feel like my punchy energy is. Yeah, and you can see Michael in the flesh. Not the Michael, flesh, yeah. but Michael you know, is the on that. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, I talked about it, but I had cast the show already, but hadn't made the announcement yet on the first uh, podcast, uh, uh, which was fun. Right. Which was fun talking to Michael on a podcast and being like, I already cast you. and you, you don't know it. That was that mystery. And you don't know it. <laughs> wow, secrets. Secrets behind the yeah. secrets. Uh, the first episode of your improv show, I'm sorry, I'm calling them episodes. You can't stop me. <laughs> uh, was very mysterious. There were like a bunch of little improvised mysteries going on. Not that uh, you, not that you can guarantee that. I mean, I, I won't guarantee anything about your improv Thank show. Thank you. Because <laughs> it's improvised. <laughs> Put expectations on people's heads. Katie, what if... What's your, what's the um, word? I have nothing to plug, and that's fine with me. Because you already told us about the Dom. Well, Blue I have website. one more thing to plug. I think you, you all should check out the Scooby Doo uh, Wikipedia page, <laughs> <laughs> the Scoobypedia, and really give a deep dive on Scooby Doo's family because he is one of five, and they it all is dumb and stupid, and it's perfect. <laughs> All right, so that's where you can find Katie is hanging around in the comments on the Scooby-Doo Wikipedia page. Thank you so much to both of you. This was this was very fun. Um, this was very fun. Daphne. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll Nick. We'll we'll get a murder mystery for you someday. Um, it, it's 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 like a nice full circle thing to bring you back. I thought, you know, this is an episode where we're kind of seeing some character development, so we'll bring in people who already know these characters. Yeah, it was nice revisiting some old friends, some old anime friends. So our next episode of this podcast, we will be covering episodes 17 to 21 of Detective Academy Q, which covers the whole case at Kamakakushi Village that was set up in this episode. There's going to be a series of murders. They're deep in the mountains. In the preview, we saw people with masks, lots of bathing, a scythe. Check that out. Check our next episode out. Um, You can support this podcast um, by, you know, listening to our shenanigans, by telling your friends, by liking, subscribing, rating us wherever you got this podcast. You can also find us on social media, Dying Message Podcast on Facebook, at Dying Message Pod on Twitter. And thank you all so much. Keep listening. I'm pretty excited, actually, to watch this next set. It looks like a pretty good mystery. So, um, Nick, Katie... In your previous appearance, we have already laid bare the secrets of the mysteries that you solve personally. Mm-hmm. So let's come back. I'm going to take a pin out of uh, the note that, that I put like in. like it hurt. Did that hurt? Why are you writing notes in your arm and then <laughs> piercing your flesh, Noah? All right. Um, sc- 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 give, it, give it to me. Scooby-Doo characters. Which Scooby-Doo <laughs> characters are we? I want to be the Velma. Can I be the Velma? Uh, I don't know. Katie, what do you think? I guess, like, I just don't see anybody, I don't see myself as anybody but the Velma. I think I bring real big Velma energy to any room that I'm in. <laughs> um, Nick, I think, is Shaggy? I'm not happy about this, Noah, but okay. You sound, hurt. you sound so hurt by this. I'm Fred, and that only leaves Daphne or Scooby for you, Michael. Oh, I'm Scooby then, because I... Well, oh, there's also all of the extended Dew family. Let's not forget about <laughs> yeah. the Dew family. I do enjoy snacking and pro- and prolonged bouts of anxiety, so... Yeah. Uh, Katie, can you read that list real fast? Okay, um, we've got... 
I'm going to laugh through this whole thing because it's the names are so dumb. Dada do, Mumsy do, Scooby do, Skippy do, Yabba do, Howdy do, Ruby do, Scrappy do, Scrappy dumb. Oh, Scooby dumb, Scooby D, Dooby Dooby do, Orton do. What? Dixie do, Whoopsie do, Grandpa Scooby, Great Grandpa Scooby, Nasty do, Yankee Doodle do, and Missing Link do. Can you do it again in the uh, the tune of Frere Jaca? <laughs> no, no, I cannot. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 10, in which everyone agrees that Kazuma is a Velma, but nothing else. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guests, Katie Swirko and Nick Elmer. Coming up... How complicated are the murders in Kamakakushi Village that it will take five episodes to solve? How upsetting is it to discuss a super virus in the middle of a pandemic? When is a gourd not a gourd? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. Has has anybody else seen Scoob? No, not yet. Michael and I no. watched it. Michael, do you remember how he got the name Scooby-Doo in the movie Scoob? It was really stupid. He was named after Scooby Snacks. Scooby Snacks existed, and Shaggy's, and what? the cop comes over, and he's like, is this your dog? He's like, yes, this is my dog. And he's like, then tell us the name of the dog. And he looks at the Scooby Snacks, and he's like, Scooby. And he's like, that's it? Just Scooby? And he's like, uh, uh, Scooby-Doo. God, could you imagine if, like, your parent was like, is this, is this your son? <laughs> And they're like, yes, this is my son. And then your parents look over and there's just like a bag of Doritos. <laughs> like, this is oh, no. my son, Doritos. Oh no, my child, I'm dooming them. <laughs>